And we welcome you on into another episode of the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. It's Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Bala here for the 72nd time, giving you the latest in the world of local, collegiate, and national athletics. Mitch, I mean, it's good to be back here. We have our last episode of the week. We have much to talk about here as the middle of the week has brought us some early season games in baseball, some postseason basketball, uh, and some other stories coming out from the sports world. Yeah, Mitch, what a week it's been. We're going to get into it here in segment one, but some wild results last night in area baseball and softball on both sides for our respective counties some big news in the areas and the cleveland cavaliers tip off this weekend in the playoffs i can't wait to talk about that later in the show it's going to be an exciting one before we go into that we want to remind you guys that if you're watching it here on youtube be sure to like and subscribe or hit the bell you can also find us on spotify apple podcasts and soundcloud courtesy of spotify for podcasters and you can also uh check us out on our website bigtimesportsohio.com that's where you can find our latest articles videos game broadcasts there we just posted a whole bunch of articles from last night's crop of games you can also find us on uh facebook big time sports ohio uh, ltd you can also find us on instagram big time sports ohio and then at tw- on twitter at bts ohio you can also find uh our individual accounts on there at mitch spinell at mitchell ballas so mitch i mean you know, I was going over some of the games last night. Uh, there were a number of crazy finishes. We had a couple of uh, uh, big home runs that were hit. Some uh, one game, which we'll get to the softball in, in just a little bit, but that it was nuts. But I'm curious to see what's been going on in Stark County. I mean, the top stories in baseball to you, Mitchell Bala, are which ones? Well, Mitch, obviously we recorded, uh, you know, earlier this week. So without Federal League play taking place. So we're going to recap Tuesday and Wednesday. Tuesday, Mitch, there was every team in action in the area because this week, weather-wise, has been absolutely perfect. May I just say that out there? A huge shout-out to Mother Nature. Thank you so much. We needed this so bad in Northeast Ohio. On Tuesday, though, Mitch, you had every team in the Federal League in action. A reminder, McKinley was off this week in Federal League play. We'll get to their results here in a second. We will start with Lake and Green. Lake hosted Green. It was a game that was pretty tightly contested throughout. Lake was able to take advantage of a couple Green Bulldog miscues and Hunter Bays, Mitch, has been phenomenal for the Blue Streaks on the mound. The Lake Erie College commit now moves to 3-0 on the young season as Lake beats Green 6-3 for another Federal League win. That win improved their Federal League record to 3-0, so no Federal League losses there. The only other unbeaten team on Tuesday night in Federal League play was Jackson. They went on the road to Hoover, and it was a 1-1 game after one. And it was 2-1 for the longest time till the sixth inning when Jackson was able to scratch across a run on a sacrifice fly to tie things at two. We moved to the seventh inning then, Mitch, and Jackson put up a five spot in the top of the seventh and really stole all momentum Hoover had. The energy went down after that, and Jackson walked away a 7-3 winner. Freshman Landon Thiel came on in relief for Jackson. Yes, I said freshman. The left-handed pitcher had eight strikeouts in relief. He once again showed that he looks like anything other than a freshman when called upon from Jackson this season. And Mitch, it's crazy to think he's only a freshman. We'll have to see how he continues to progress over the next three years, but also this season. So Jackson beats Hoover 7-3. They then improved to 4-0 in Federal League play. You had Glen Oak beat Perry 6-2. So Perry still looking for that first league win. Uh, on Tuesday night, Glen Oak picked up a big-time win after suffering their second Federal League loss last week to Jackson. Maslin and McKinley, we know how big of a rivalry that is when it comes to football, but those two schools, it's a rivalry anytime they play. What's intriguing here, Mitch, as I mentioned, McKinley is on their bye week in Federal League play. 
They're actually treating this like a federal league week, though. They're playing a back-to-back with Maslin. So Tuesday night, Maslin defeated McKinley 2-0 over at Maslin High School in a very, very good game over there. But Maslin, obviously, with two runs, they really only needed one because the pitching staff was phenomenal for the Tigers. Louisville on Tuesday beat Akron St. Vincent St. Mary's 4-3. Akron Hoban took on Canton Central Catholic. They defeated the Crusaders 5-1. And Carrollton beat Alliance 3-2 in eight innings on Tuesday for some of the top games in the area. We move to Wednesday, though, Mitch. And this is why high school baseball, which is already entertaining enough, but really can be so wild. I mentioned Jackson with that five spot in the seventh. They really stole all momentum from Hoover. And you just wondered how was Hoover going to bounce back coming to Jackson then a place where it's very tough to play. Mitch Hoover went on the road and absolutely stunned Jackson. The polar bears had four hits. They were hitless for the first three innings. Junior Mason Ashby, Mitch. One of the most dominant performances I can remember seeing in years past, a complete game shutout on the road at Jackson. The Vikings score eight runs and they had one of the best approaches to the plate. They were extremely patient. They drew eight walks, a hit by pitch and caused a balk on Jackson that actually drove in the first run of the game. And just like I mentioned with McKinley and Maslin, one run would have been strong enough for Mason Ashby with how he pitched yesterday but Hoover wins eight to nothing. So that handed Jackson their first federal league loss. And you thought to yourself, wow, that's, that's a big blow because Lake was still undefeated. They were playing green, but green wanted to get in on the action. Green upset Lake then last night at green high school, five to three to hand the blue streaks, their first loss in federal league play this season. So after just talking about those two games, every team in federal league play now, Mitch has at least one federal league loss. And six of the seven teams in Federal League play have at least one Federal League win now. And so now this is crazy because you still have four, five more weeks of Federal League action, and anything can happen now. There's a number of teams, Jackson and Lake respectively, that control their own destiny because those two teams still have to play. You also had Glen Oak beat Perry 13-3 to last night, so Glen Oak is still there too. And don't forget, they will still play Jackson one more time this year when that will be determined later on in the season, their second game of last week was rained out. It'll probably be played at the end of the season because no coach really wants to play three federal league games in one week. And I can totally understand that. Maslin beat McKinley at Thurman Munson Memorial Stadium yesterday, five to three. Louisville in a back-to-back with Akron St. Vincent St. Mary's beat the Fighting Irish nine, nothing. And then Alliance flipped the script on Carrollton. They defeated Carrollton five to three last night for some of the area scores in baseball. There's a lot of games to cover in Stark and over in Tuscarawas County on the baseball side. And many things were happening beginning on Tuesday where you saw Dover uh, be able to take on Meadowbrook in a mercy rule shutout 12 to nothing in five innings. Mason Gruel had a complete game shutout in that performance. He struck out four Colts batters in the game while Hunter Edwards took a uh, Col- Colts pitching yard for a home run while finishing with four RBIs on the game. Ethan Kelliker added three RBIs and a run scored for the Tornadoes. The Tornadoes had five other batters even record an RBI for them as well. Then on Wednesday, uh, we even go out to the Pac-7, where Northwest was able to tie their matchup with Fairless up at 2-all in the seventh inning before uh, taking down the hosts in the top of the eighth in a 3-2 to final. Now, Northwest started a pitcher named Evan Cannon, but he was quickly switched to Aiden Robinson. Cannon got off to a bit of a slow start in that one, and then Robinson shouldered the rest of regulation play. Six innings, allowing two hits and one unearned run while striking out eight Falcons 
players. Had Carter Megierics had two total Ks and a walk in the bottom of the eighth to close the victory. And then Jacob Wells was able to drive in both runs for the Indians, or drive in a pair of runs, excuse me, on a single and a double, even though Ethan Lotzenheiser went yard for the Falcons in the loss. Speaking of walk-offs, well, this wasn't a walk-off for Northwest, but it was a walk-off for Minerva. Isaiah Frazier, not only did he have a six-inning performance against Salem this past Wednesday, but he was able to hit a walk-off single as the Lions won 3-2 to two over the Quakers. Uh, you also had the uh, matchup between uh, Strasburg and Canaan Valley out in Bowerston, where Canaan Valley, they survive in a hotly competitive IVC North matchup to stay atop the standings there. Justin Lambert hit a solo home run in the bottom of the eighth inning off of uh, Alex Burkett to win one to nothing for the Rockets. Nate Downing went uh, the whole way, three hits and two walks while striking out eight Tigers hitters. So that's a big win for Connaughton in, in kind of a statement season for them so far. And in uh, OCC play, we had West Holmes taking advantage of six new Philadelphia errors as the Knights beat the visiting Quakers 11 to six on Wednesday, even though, you know, Aiden Baker took the loss uh, for the Quakers over his 3.2 inning performance. Um, you had Owen Courtney and Caden Stewart pitching for the Quakers as well. Carter Vandal, Max Steele, Owen Courtney and Keaton Fossil each recorded a hit for new Philadelphia. Now on the softball side, we start back on Tuesday where we had the first of two games for Strasburg, the top team in the IVC, one of the top teams in the state this year, uh, taking on a uh, Tuscarora central Catholic. They were able to win over the saints 14 to one in that game. Amelia Spidell had 10 strikeouts. She also had a single and double at the plate for two RBIs. Ella Gilkerson hit uh, her second, had her second consecutive game with a home run while Maggie Richards and Sydney Sibilla each hit a homer. So the Tigers went to 11 and 0 there. It was on the following day where Strasburg took on Canaan Valley for the second time this week. They, they beat them up pretty good at Strasburg, but over in Bowerston, you had Maisie Baker on the mound for the Rockets and the Tigers passed a tough test against the Rockets, nine to six. So the Tigers are now 12 and 0 on the season. Spidell got the win in that one. She allowed eight hits and six runs to earn while striking out seven. And, you know, some of the talk around Strasburg has been this year. The team is fantastic offensively. Very few teams are matching up with them. The errors have been costing them a little bit. Just a run here, a run there to, you know, to the point where when it becomes tournament time, I'm sure that'll be kind of the, the thought point for uh, some people in the in the softball program for uh, Strasburg, if not the softball fandom. Now, you know, one baseball game I want to get to, by the way, that we almost forgot about was Jared Witherow's four RBI game for Malvern as they beat Tuscar Central Catholic 15 to 11. Just wanted to make sure I got that. Uh, we also had here uh, Kayla Miller hitting a grand slam for Garraway in a nine to three win last night against Ridgewood. She's a freshman Mitch and she uh, hit a four run bomb. That was her second home run of the season. She has a team best 16 RBIs on the season so far through 12 games. Uh, Bell Tetralt struck out 14 generals batters. She allowed three runs on six hits, earning her seventh win of the season. Most of that scoring for Ridgewood came in the first inning when Garraway had a couple of fielding flubs. Tetral also had a single, an RBI double, and a triple at the plate, falling short of a home run for the cycle. Uh, you also had Krista Miller, Kayla's twin sister, also a freshman, adding an RBI for Garraway. This one, though, was very fascinating to me. Mitch, if I told you that a team scored nine runs in the seventh inning, you'd assume that a team would, would came back and won, right? Yeah. Well, they didn't. Uh, Tusky Valley was able to stave off Sandy Valley last night, eleven to ten, despite being up eleven to one in the bot in the in, going into the bottom of the seventh inning. They scored 
a pair of a few runs in the seventh, which is why you, you think it's not, you think it's the mercy rule. It wasn't. Um, but give credit to this Sandy Valley squad. They were able to try and maneuver a whole bunch of runs in the last inning, but Tusky buckled down, dropped Sandy's record to two and five on the year. That's one and four in IVC play. Uh, Kyra Garbrandt went three for five for the Trojans with three singles and an RBI, two runs scored. Naomi, Naomi McReary had a single and a triple to score a pair, while Teresa Petro hit a single and a double for two RBIs and two runs for the Cardinals. And Jasmine Rock had a pair of singles for an RBI and a run. McKenna Burke has been shouldering every inning for Sandy Valley this season. She went the distance, allowing 10 hits, 11 runs, three earned, because the Cardinals sustained 10 errors for the contest, while Tusky Valley uh, had five fielding flubs. Uh, Burke also walked two while striking out six. I mean, it's been it's been an interesting time in the IVC when it comes to uh, softball. And by the way, I should mention Indian Valley beating Tri-Valley 5 to nothing on Wednesday night in Dresden. Mia Rose uh, pitched in that game. She also... Uh, she had eight strikeouts. She allowed three hits. She also hit a two run home run late in the game that boosts Indian Valley's record to six and one. I mean, that's softball in my area. I want to know what's going on in Stark County for softball from you, Mitch. Well, first off, before I mention any of the scores and some big games that happened, you mentioned twins that are both freshmen, Mitch. Yes. I mentioned freshmen up here. It seems that as much talent as we have here, the future is already bright for a lot of teams and players yeah. here in the respective areas, which is crazy to see. Because it's not often, Mitch, that you see freshmen at any level shouldering a big task for any of their varsity programs. So this is very awesome to see, and I'm excited to see how these athletes and their programs continue to grow in the years coming. There used to be a phenomenal freshman up here. She is now a senior, Mitch, when we're talking about softball now. That is Julie Gossett of Jackson. Gossett is a Purdue commit. She has been phenomenal. She does it all for Jackson. She has done it all already this year for the polar bears. And she did it again on Tuesday night, Mitch, when Jackson traveled to Hoover, a place that a lot of teams can never win at. And for good reason, Hoover has been an absolute powerhouse for a number of years in softball, but Jackson goes on the road and defeated the lady Vikings two to one in eight innings. Julia Gossett goes complete game. She had three walks that game. Hoover was not going to allow them, allow her to beat them both on the mound and at the plate, but Jackson took advantage of a Hoover miscue in the bottom of the eighth inning with a tying run on, on what seemed to be maybe a miscommunication from the coaching staff or the players of whether it was a hit and run or a sacrifice. And Jackson was able to get the tying run on base picked off end of the game. So Jackson picked up a huge win Lake on Tuesday night, defeated McKinley 14 to one. It was a big win for the lady blue streak softball team and Mitch green defeated Walsh Jesuit, a very tough Walsh Jesuit softball team that every year seems to be a team that causes a lot of team issues. Green beat them four to three. Green and Jackson both win on Tuesday, and that set up a massive showdown on Wednesday at Jackson. Green came to Jackson to take on the Polar Bears. Julia Gossett back on the mound, which... It's always crazy to know that baseball, you you pitch one day, you're down the next yep. day. Softball pitchers, they're back at it. Green comes on the road and hands Jackson their first Federal League loss and now takes sole possession of first place in the Federal League. The Lady Bulldogs are a force to be reckoned with this year in the Federal League when it comes to softball. Now, those two teams will still play again later on in the season. It is not like baseball where you play back-to-back. It seems that you play everybody once, and then you flip the schedule and you play everybody for a second time uh, in the same order, but green 
2 nothing over Jackson last night, handing Gossett her first loss of the season. So not only did they come on the road and win, but they beat one of the top pitchers in the area. So a statement win for Green. Perry last night defeated Lake 6-3. to Glen Oak defeated Alliance 5-4. to You had Central Catholic losing a thriller, Mitch. 14-11 to in extra innings. They played eight innings yesterday. Ellett on the road defeated Central 14-11. to uh, You look at some of these other ones. Carrollton 17, Riverview 5. Northwest defeated Fairless in softball. Almost looks like a football game. 24 to 6 was the final there. Lots of runs scored for Northwest. Two went 9, 1, 2, 9, and 3 scored in respective innings. So two nine spots for the Lady Indians. Uh, Canton South suffered 11 1 loss to Triway. And Manchester Mitch defeated Orville 34 to nothing was the final score in that softball game last night. Manchester scoring. 11 in the first, 7 in the second, 15 in the third, and then tacked on one more in the fifth for their 34 to nothing win. 34 runs on 18 hits for the Manchester softball team. And that is about all the action we had last night here. Figured it was only appropriate. We end it with what was an offensive blowout for Manchester. Yeah, I had to tack on that one run in the fourth inning. I mean, what at what point... What do you have to keep doing when you're down 18 to zero and then you give up 15? Like what has to happen? Are you just, are players not showing up on the field? Is that what, what's going on there? It, it's, it, it is a very fair question and you never know because there are run rules, obviously in effect when you're talking about high school baseball and softball, there are no points for running up scores where you see that Mitch is typically in travel and summer baseball and softball leagues where the more runs you score can actually depend what seed you get when it comes to bracket play, right. which I have been a part of that both as a player and a coach. Now it begs a very fair question of when enough is enough. Typically you see it in baseball games around here. Coaches will stop stealing even uh, you know, you're going base to base on base hits, but sometimes there's just no answer and you can't go base to base. If your team is hitting balls over the fence where you have to round the bases and touch home plate after that happens. But uh, 34 to nothing is by far the biggest exclamation point and margin of victory we have seen so far this year. Okay. Uh, and that's all we have for segment one. When we come back, we'll go into more topics around the world of sports right here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Hey there, folks. This is Mitch Spinell, and I want to give you guys a quick message regarding 988. If you don't know what 988 is, it was created to make it easier to remember how to get help in the event of a mental health or addiction crisis. This is different than a medical, fire, or police emergency where 911 should still be called immediately. 988 connects you with Stark County's Crisis Center, which is equipped to help people in emotional distress or experience a mental health or addiction crisis. So remember, 911 for medical, fire, and police emergency help, and 988 for support in overcoming a mental health crisis in Stark County. 
Buying a home has never been so affordable with record low interest rates. Hartzler's Quality Housing is ready to put over 40 years of experience to work for you. Family owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's has a wide selection of model homes on site with a knowledgeable team to help make your new home a reality. Open six days a week, visit them off I-77 in Dover or online at Hartzler's.com. Hartzler's Quality Housing, quality from start to finish. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet Buick Cadillac Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. You invest a lot in your home and vehicle purchases. Van Nostrand Young and Associates want you to feel secure should anything happen to those investments. We partner with providers like Grange Insurance and other industry leaders to be sure you're presented with the most complete coverage to fit your needs. Because we're not only here to protect the items you invest in, we're here to protect your future as well. Call Van Nostra and Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world. Get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. Wendy's without the Wendy's app is like nugs without the sauce. <gasps> or a Frosty without the fries. <gasps> or a hamburger without the fresh beef. No! Level A. Get the app to order ahead, order delivery, earn free food, and get app-exclusive offers. One app, all the Wendy's. Offer for a limited time at participating Wendy's. Terms apply. App registration required. Fresh beef available in the contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. Vive Auto Sales, located on West High Avenue in New Philadelphia and Cleveland Avenue in Canton, is a used car dealership committed to getting financing for everyone. We give every customer that walks in our showrooms a prime buying experience, no matter their credit score or financial situation. Current inventory can be viewed at www.wefinancenow.com. Check out our Facebook pages for the most up-to-date information about upcoming events and promotions happening at Vive Auto Sales. Get out of the dugout and onto the field with help from Velocity Sports. Velocity Sports is a baseball and softball training academy with locations in North Canton and Canal Fulton. Our new Canal Fulton features 10,000 square feet of training space with six cages for hitting and pitching, and a large commercial weight room. Velocity Sports will sharpen your skills and get you in the starting lineup. For more info, go to velosportsohio.com. And we welcome you back here to the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. It's Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Bala here now with a special guest on the show. He is now the newly appointed head coach of Canton McKinley's boys basketball program. It is Sean Weatherspoon here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Coach, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Hey, thank you, man. Thank you for having me on. 
Of course. I mean, we're now going into a new season where uh, you get to return home to your alma mater coach. Obviously, you're a part of the state championship boys basketball team from 2005. You get to return uh, after a season in Alliance, a couple of seasons over at Maple Heights. And uh, now you get to uh, rejoin a program that is still kind of building itself up from uh, uh, from last season. When you look at uh, this team, Coach, what do you think are the similarities to these guys that you're taking over compared to some of the guys that you were able to play with uh, with the Bulldogs back in the uh, the mid 2000s? Um, I know, you know. I think definitely you know the, the uh, athleticism. Um, you know the, the way you know they play the game as far as how to play hard. Um, you know, getting up and down, de- defensive pressure, things like that. Um, but you know, Cam McKinley basketball is you know. Uh, playing hard, playing hard defensively, uh, getting up and down the floor, um, you know, rebounding at a high level. Um, and that's why, you know, I'm going to try to, you know, definitely get back, you know, how, how I play, how I play with my teams. And that's what I want to have with my coaching staff. Coach, first off, congratulations on, you know, coming back home to a place that you played at and had a very successful athletic career. What have you been able to take since you were an assistant on staff at McKinley and then at Maple Heights as a head coach for a few years and then this past season at Alliance that you think is really going to help you now build this program back up to where you'd like to see it? Um, I think the biggest thing is just patience. Um, you know, when I first got the Maple job, I wanted to turn it over, you know, overnight. I wanted to, you know, make it a, a, a powerhouse uh, sort to uh, say overnight. But I know, you know, having experience now working at Maple Heights and also working here in the Lions for a year, it's going to take time. Um, it's going to take time for kids to adjust to my system, you know, to, to adjust the way I, you know, how I coach and things of that nature. Um, so, you know, the biggest thing is just patience, man, just, just preaching that, you know, not only to my players, but to my staff, you know, in the community as well. Well, Coach, you come uh, back from a season with the Aviators where you guys were able to do some very good things. You got a share of the EBC title among your other successes. I mean, when you uh, when this whole process with the McKinley job came to be, was there uh, a thought process uh, for you? And uh, obviously there was a thought process for you in taking the job, but coming off of just one season with your guys at Alliance, a team which you seem to really embrace and really have a good time with, um, how difficult was it to make that decision in terms of uh, taking another job away from Alliance? I mean, definitely, definitely a tough decision. Um, I definitely had a couple of sleepless nights. Um, definitely went back and forth on things. I had a great year over here, man, in Alliance, man. The kids were great. My staff was great. The community was great. Um, you know, it was it was probably the, the toughest decision I had in my coaching career thus far, um, you know, but, you know, I'm a true believer in God. I'm a true believer, you know, you're supposed to be where it's supposed to be. And I think right now, the time is right now for me to be at McKinley. Coach, you mentioned, you know, patience. It It's hard to do it overnight. Like you said, you wanted to do it at Maple Heights. Looking at this past season at McKinley, there was something uncharacteristic that we saw in Federal League basketball. Typically, the field house at McKinley is one of, if not the hardest road venue for teams in the federal league to come into and play at this year, though, a few federal league teams came on the road to McKinley and beat McKinley handedly. How do you go about restoring the tradition and just the entire atmosphere of the field house for what it was like when you were there as a player? Well, first, first, first and foremost, it starts with, you know, hard work in the offseason, you know, getting these players developed, getting these players to buy into, you know, the McKinley basketball way. You know, what I'm accustomed, what I am accustomed to and what, you know, the fans are accustomed to as well, you know, but also, you know, winning, winning cures everything, you know, so hopefully, you know, you know, we put things together this summer, build upon that and then, you know, into the fall preseason, things like that. And then, you know, come out 
know, it's, it's some excitement, you know, right now. Um, you know, people are excited about me getting the job. The community's there. Um, but again, like I said, I just want to preach patience. You know, it's going to take some time to get it back to where we know it should be and where we know it can be. But when we do it, you know, you know, hopefully, you know, it, it can be back. You know, that atmosphere in the field house can be back to how, how it used to be. Well, Coach, we were going over some research before the show. We caught one of our uh, tidbits here was obviously your days as a player was under uh, then McKinley head coach Dave Hoover. Were there any particular aspects of the way he was able to coach you and your teammates that you have kind of really compartmentalized into the way you coach your guys over the years of uh, experience that you've had? Uh, definitely. You know, what, what I take from Coach Hoover is the preparation side um, of the game. Um, he had he had our teams prepared, you know, from from top to bottom. We knew our opponent, you know, in and out, whether it was their offensive sets, their defensive uh, strategies, the player weaknesses, the player strengths, um, what they uh, like to do out of timeouts, you know, all those type of things that, that you have to prepare for. You know, the scout report side, I definitely, you know, take that and, and put that into my coaching style, you know, and I definitely you know uh, I feel like it's been working for me so far. Coach, usually something that makes a coach so great for his players is how not only they get their players to buy in and really uh, have successful athletic careers, but how a coach can also set their players up for success once their playing days are over because playing days end eventually for everybody. Right. You were somebody that had a very successful career at McKinley, went on to play collegiate basketball. Uh, and obviously your career ended a little bit sooner than you would have liked with an injury. How do you go about taking the experiences you've had and helping this, your student athletes now whether it's going to be playing college basketball once they're done at McKinley or whether once they play their final game at McKinley and go into the real world, whether it's college or work right away, how do you take your experiences and kind of help them and show the players what is after basketball? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'll just try to preach, you know, the importance of academics. Um, you know, like you said, the basketball stops at some time and you have to have something to turn to. Um, you know, academics is very important to me. You know, I, I don't take that lightly. You know, student athlete, you're student first before you can be an athlete. And that's what I preach to my players. And also, man, not not taking a day for granted, you know, also trying to, you know, get better each and every day, you know, so you can put yourself in a position where, you know, you can you can go to college and get, and get your college paid for um, by the, from, from the game of basketball. Um, so, you know, just, just preaching, you know, not, not taking any, anything for granted um, and also, you know, the importance of academics. You know, Coach, we ask this uh, frequently to a number of other uh, uh, coaches in our area, new and and uh, veteran. Uh, we always kind of ask them the same thing. It's like, what can we expect from you, your players this year? But I also want to kind of go into what do you think we can expect uh, from you and your coaching staff this season, the way you guys present yourselves, as well as the way, the way you guys uh, teach your players into being not only the best possible players, but the best possible uh, teammates. I mean, uh, the, the first thing about myself and my staff is we're going to have high character. You know, we're going to carry ourselves a class. Um, you know, we're going to represent Canton McKinley and um, the, the city of Canton, you know, to the utmost, um, you know, and that is going to be a replica of from what our players are going to do as well. Um, you know, we're going to respect the game. We're going to be very prepared. We're going to be very intense, you know, because, you know, we want to turn this thing around. We want people to get back in those seats in the field house. We want, you know, the city to uh, continue to support us. Um, and, you know, I'm going to have, have a very passionate staff, a very dedicated staff um, to, uh, you know, to this game plan to uh, get Cam McKinney back to where we know it's supposed to be. Coach, so does that, assuming you have your staff, you know, picked out already, are there a couple pieces you're still looking to put together or is everything kind of finalized for what you're going to go with into the summer uh, as the head coach of the McKinley Bulldogs program? 
Uh, it's still some pieces I'm, I'm working out. Um, you know, just getting a job officially on Monday. You know, this, this week has been pretty busy. Uh, you know, as far as you know, you know, different um, interviews and obligations and things like that. But you know, I'm very excited about getting my staff finalized. I'll be seeing the players today at Open Gym. Um, you know, very excited about that as well. Um, so, you know, it's, it's like I said, um, it's getting finalized now, but um, we don't even have some good, um, good um, people on my staff. And then finally, Coach, my last question for you is obviously you played in the Federal League. Since you played and where it is now, a few teams have left. Then when you played, a uh, few new teams have entered. Is it too early to kind of take away in looking forward to just how valuable and how meaningful every Federal League game is? Or, you know, are you excited at the task, knowing that there is never an off night in the federal league. Now that you're back coaching at McKinley, definitely, definitely excited, definitely excited for the challenge, man. The federal league is is, is a great league, man. Great coaches, um, great players. Um, you know, like I said, the physicality, um, you know, the the toughness you got to play to win in that league on a nightly basis is what you know what I signed up for. You know, and what what I want to do. And, and I'm very excited about the challenge, man. And I'm very, um, you know. You know, eager to get my, my guys prepared, you know, to, to uh, take on those teams. Well, Coach, really do we do appreciate you taking the time to join us today. And we wish you the best of luck for the upcoming season, hopefully many seasons more at your alma mater. Thank you. I appreciate you guys for having me on. Thank you, of Coach. Course. And that is Coach Sean Weatherspoon on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. We'll be right back right after this. The Furby Electric Supply Company has bright ideas for your home. Save money by converting to energy-efficient electrical products or add ambiance with beautiful lighting features. It begins with a professional consultation and a visit to the Furby Lighting Showroom. Then certified Furby contractors complete your project right and on time. Since 1934, four generations have built a reputation of quality and trust, and they offer emergency services too. Just visit Furby.com. That's F-U-R-B-A-Y. The Furby Electric Supply Company. You asked for it and we listened. Buckeye Career Center is now offering certified nail technician as an adult education program. This 216-hour course begins in November and will run Tuesday through Thursday evenings from 5 to 9 p.m. Learn manicures, pedicures, infection control, salon operations, and more. Other part-time certification courses starting this fall include phlebotomy and welding. Call 330-339-2288 to register or visit BuckeyeCareerCenter.org for more information. If you're looking for a new or pre-owned car or truck, why not see the Parkway Auto Group? Parkway is a special group of automotive experts with eight brands to satisfy your needs. Come see the difference at the Parkway Auto Group on Commercial Parkway in Dover. Eight brands and one family. It's Parkway Auto Group. Fall is in the air and part-time career enhancement courses at Buckeye Career Center are on the horizon. Registration is now open for introduction to beekeeping, basic small engine repair, and sign language. These part-time offerings run on Tuesday evenings and begin in November. Let Buckeye Career Center help you learn a new skill or advance your current skill set. Call 330-339-2288 for more information or to reserve your seat in one of these or our other part-time classes. You matter. Everyone plays a part. We all have a role. Each of us can make a difference. You do matter, and the best way to have a positive impact is to pay it forward. With each of us helping one another to cope, feel better, and know that we belong. Pass on the positivity today. Tell someone else they matter too. Alt Care. Alt Care. Where you matter. 
We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world. Get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. I don't hear you. And we're back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Bella. Mitch, it's now time for us to go over in the world of professional baseball as we're 13 to two weeks into the season, 13 games into the season, two weeks into the season. And, you know, the team that we typically cover has gotten off to a decent start to the season. Not great. A decent start. Uh, they just got off a stretch uh, at home against Seattle that went uh, iffy for the first two games and got back to, to business on that Sunday. And then kind of the opposite, where you win the first game of your series against the Yankees, and then the last two games just wasn't uh, wasn't the result that you were hoping for. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, they came home after a seven-game road trip at five and two. You felt great. Obviously, three of those five wins were over Seattle to open the season, and Seattle was coming here. We talked about it a little bit on Monday. Didn't go your way, but that was a big win on Sunday, battling back and winning an extra innings. You then beat the Yankees on Monday night. Tuesday night, you knew it was going to be a tough task, Mitch, with Garrett Cole in the mound for the Yankees and Hunter Gaddis for the Guardians. But the Guardians got out to a 2-0 lead, and it was okay. You know what? This team is ready. But the one thing about the New York Yankees, and it's for every single team, not just this one specifically, but when they smell blood in the water, Mitch, they strike. And the Yankees jumped all over Hunter Gaddis then and started to get things going, and it was just all downhill for the Guardians there. Yesterday, though, Nobody really knew what to expect. Clark Schmidt on the mound for the Yankees. He doesn't typically go deep for the Yankees. Came into the game with a 9.45 ERA. And Peyton Battenfield, the rookie, making his major league debut. Sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it could be a bad thing when you're playing a team like the Yankees. Mitch, Battenfield looked really good. I took a lot of positives away from his major league debut yesterday going up against the New York Yankees. He kept a lot of hitters off balance and really... Yes, he was charged two runs. One is what he should have been charged with because there was the mishap and nothing you can do about it because umpires are in play, but a relay throw from center to Jimenez and Jimenez tried to fire at home to yeah. cut down the first score. It hits the umpire in the head and deflects towards first base, allowing that second runner to come across and score. He went two times through the Yankee lineup, giving up two runs, Mitch, to me in, a, in your major league debut. That's a great job. He left yeah. with the lead. He could only get the win. And then the Yankees do what the Yankees do. And uh, Franchi Cordero with just another home run. And what a turnaround it's been for him this year for the New York Yankees. He all of a sudden has just re-energized that lineup. And he has made a name for himself in that lineup. The Guardians leading 3-2, to two, then 3-3. Three, three, and then the ninth happened. And... Ahmed Rosario wasn't lineup Tuesday, Mitch, and he had looked lost at the plate, if we're being honest, up until after Monday's game. And so they gave him a day off, and he starts the game with a nice play at short in the first. He hits a home run to right center field, and you thought, wow, that mental break that baseball players sometimes need was much needed. 
But then, unfortunately, he had a very costly throwing error in the top of the ninth inning that allowed the go-ahead run to move into scoring position. Oswaldo Cabrera, for some reason, I know he's very young still, but I feel like he just kills the Guardians. He at least did last year in the uh, playoffs. Comes up and hits a, just obliterates a ball from Emmanuel Classe off the right field wall to score the go-ahead run. But Mitch, the Guardians had a chance, and there's no better way to make up for your error than at the plate. And Rosario had a chance with the bases loaded and two down, and then unfortunately chased his kryptonite, which is a ball outside and away from him for strike three after the Guardians had loaded the bases up. That loss hurt uh, to me because that was a game the Guardians really should have never lost. And you had kept the New York Yankees quiet for the most part, which is always tough to do. And you had an opportunity there to tie, perhaps take the lead and win the game in the ninth, but they just could not come up with it there. But at the same time, you're seven and six, Mitch. This is a team over the years under Terry Francona that typically does not start off well in the month of April. This is a team that catches fire, you know, in the summer, dog days of summer, all the way down the stretch into the fall. Seven and six, I'll take. You now go into five straight series, though, Mitch, where if you do not win the series, I'm not asking you to go on a, to sweep every game. I'm not asking you to win 15 in a row. The Guardians need to win the series because they play the Nationals, the Tigers, the Marlins, the Rockies, and the Red Sox. Five teams you are clear, cut, and far away better than. And you need to go and win these games, even if they're on the road. Obviously, at Washington, at Detroit, on the road, they come home, play Miami and Colorado. And then they go to Boston. And after that, they go to New York. Mm -hmm. This is a really good opportunity for the Guardians to take advantage of the weaker schedule, much like another team in baseball has done so far. But they just look unstoppable right now in the Tampa Bay Rays. But that's why I'm okay with seven and six, because you played some tough teams. The Mariners and the Yankees, both playoff teams from last year. It, you've already gotten your series out of the way with the Mariners. And before the second week of May, you're going to have your series done with the Yankees for the entire season, which is Pretty crazy, in my opinion, but the Guardians need to go out and beat the teams they should take care of now. Well, I was looking at the, uh, the schedule here. After that Yankee series, I, by the way, starting on Friday, May 5th, you'll have a three-game home stretch against the Minnesota Twins, who are currently leading your division at 8-4 and four right now. Now, Minnesota's pitching this year, very, very good. They're second in the American League in ERA at 2.50 combined between their starting pitchers and relievers. I, I, I'm... I never thought that the Guardians would run away with the division this year. I never thought that they would win by 10 games like some uh, people were predicting. After seeing what Minnesota has been able to do in stifling certain offenses like Houston and Chicago, um, the, I, I'm taking notice right now. And, and how? at what point do you think we should be concerned about the Twins becoming a legitimate threat to Cleveland in the standings this year? It's still early. This same exact thing happened last year. Minnesota was leading the division for really the first few months, Mitch. Obviously, April, a couple teams were probably floating up and down the standings, which is typical. The Twins did this last year, and then the Guardians made them pay in June and July, and that's kind right. of when the Guardians flipped the script. And so that's still possible. But the Twins, to your, to your point, the pitching has been phenomenal. They've shut down the teams they've played, and their hitting has come alive. I'm not concerned yet, but... Now, if we get there in a couple weeks when they come to Cleveland for the first matchup of the season and they come in here and sweep us, that to me would be cause of concern. There's already been talk of, oh, did the Guardians lose the Yankees because they're still in their heads from last year in the playoffs? I don't think so, but it's a fair you know point to maybe consider, and maybe we'll see when they go to New York. 
But if you're going to talk that way, are the Guardians still in Minnesota's head? Because don't forget what the Guardians did to the Twins last year. They absolutely toyed with them. It looked like the Twins had multiple games won, and the Guardians would mount these comebacks, walk off on them. I, I mean, you can still, I still remember the Andres Jimenez walk-off home run where the Twins broadcast goes, and we yeah. had enough of the Cleveland Guardians. Just because it did not matter what the score was, the Guardians were mounting comebacks and defeating the Twins, and really, that was when the season turned, and you thought, okay, we might win this division and the twins just crashed then and couldn't recover. We'll have to wait and see their Achilles heel last year, Mitch was the bullpen for Minnesota. Can their bullpen hold up so far? It has, but their starting pitching has also been great. It's still early. I typically wait till about mid May end of May into June of when you kind of start to worry about where you're at. But Mitch, the biggest question now is after seeing Savali go to the injured list, after seeing McKenzie transferred from the 15 to the 60 day injured list, which doesn't mean a whole lot. It's retroactive to when they first put him on there. He's still, it looks like could be in line to make his or rejoin the team when they really originally expected him to. But when do you start to question if we have enough pitching? Because right now that could be the Achilles heel. Now Battenfield looked great yesterday. Gaddis has had a nice start in Oakland, a little bit shaky in Seattle. Obviously not a good start against New York, but Mitch, when do you maybe push the panic button of where do the guardians go in terms of this rotation? Well, if, if they didn't have a number of guys that they could pick up from triple a or maybe pull out of the bullpen, I, I, I would be worried. We saw this last year where guys like uh, uh, Gaddis and Curry late in the year were able to shoulder a couple of games I definitely don't want them to be doing that thing they did last year where they would bring in a guy out of the bullpen to start two innings and then have someone go the rest of the way too early in the season, have that maybe settled in for like May, June, July, if necessary. Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I think, I think the pitching, it, there is cause concern when two of your starters are going to be out for at least two weeks now. But if this was in the heat of the summer, I'd be a little more worried, especially when we have, these really good teams coming up because we have this crop of teams that aren't expected to be as good this year, like your Washington's or your Detroit's or your Miami's. Those are the games that you score enough runs with the pitchers that you do have. You're going to win those games. The key is just for the guardians to string enough hits together, enough runs on the board, try to work that lineup enough to where it can be more efficient. I mean, we saw Rosario to mention Rosario. It's just, he's had a tough year so far in that two spot average of two Oh four, slash line finishes out at 254 and 278 um just that one home run uh four rbis i mean it, if we just put him down to like a seven or eight maybe it could work but then you got to bring up somebody like an andre Jimenez potentially into the two hole behind steven kwan do you move uh, kwan maybe down to two i don't know doesn't make sense because he's been a solid leadoff guy so i i'm i'm more focused in on making sure this offense gets enough runs to take down these teams in the next couple of weeks and then it leads to confidence that you can take on these teams like new york and like minnesota that you could score enough to get your pitchers some good uh some good run support and you mentioned the offense mitch look we know the style of play this team plays when it comes to offense put the ball in play put the pressure on the defense go first to third on bloop singles i mean we've still seen it already this year the guardian style of baseball that we fell in love with last year at the same time, though, Mitch, I think besides the pitching, the big concern has to be the power. Jose Ramirez last year obviously was phenomenal, and he still is phenomenal. He had seven home runs in April last year. Jose Ramirez is still looking for his first home run of the season. 
Josh Bell, the guy we thought we were going to get put in the four hole to protect Jose Ramirez, no home runs either. Now, as bad as he's looked, it's two straight days. He's had base hits, extra yeah. base hit. Hopefully he's coming around. But the Guardians right now, after Rosario's home run yesterday, now are 29th in baseball with the second least amount of home runs hit with six. The Guardians yeah. have hit six home runs to the first 13 games. Meanwhile, you have Tampa Bay, who has hit 30 home runs already as a team through 13 games. Or 12 games, excuse me. I know we were never going to expect this team to be able to hit the ball out of the ballpark, but you cannot win a World Series if this is the type of power this lineup is going to give you. This team is going to have to get going, and I expect Jose Ramirez to get going eventually. He's still hitting close to 300, which is fine, right? Mm. He's still doing the things we expect Jose Ramirez to do. But Mitch, somebody else in this lineup is going to have to step up, or step up and hopefully it's still Josh Bell because as early as it is, we mentioned it's early for Rosario, it's early for Bell, it's early for everybody. But there is big cause for concern right now with the lack of power because right now they're on a track to have even less home runs hit than they did last year, which is very scary. Yeah, Josh Bell had, what, 15 home runs uh, last season for between the Nationals and the Padres. I, I, I kind of expect them to be around the same this season, maybe 15 to 20 especially with the late start. And I'm looking at the other ones here. Oscar Gonzalez has been really concerning as of late to the point where Will Brennan's kind of outshined him a little yep. bit in that slot in the right field. And for the race thing, it, it's, it's annoying because nobody's really broken away as the sole power hitter on that squad. They're just, all of them are just hitting enough home runs to, to beef up that home run total. I mean, Brandon Lowe and Wander Franco each have four home runs. Randy Rosarena, uh, Paredes have three, uh, Yandy Diaz has three. Uh, Ramirez has three. Harold Ramirez. A couple guys have two and one in there. So it's really the entire offense getting their due every couple of games. It's not like, you know, you have one guy who's run away with 10 home runs on this season and he's leading right. Major League Baseball. So that's where I'm, I'm looking at it. Like, okay, but that, but that run differential is a serious number that Tampa yeah. Bay is posting right now compared to the minus four that Cleveland's had over the, la over the season so far, which has been contributed by the last couple of games. Um, as far as the rest of baseball goes, you know, looking at the standings and we will go over that article I sent you next week. Um, it's, it's an interesting time right now. We have a lot of the teams, uh, that were expected to be atop the standings still there. I mean, the Rays we were expecting them to as well. Uh, the angels in Texas, a game and a half ahead of Houston right now. That's interesting. Atlanta is up. Obviously that national East is going to nationally East is going to be run away with by July. I think unless the Mets really yeah. buckle down. Uh, Milwaukee doing interesting things. Pittsburgh, interesting. Arizona, uh, atop Arizona, uh, atop San Diego and LA, even though I think both those squads will overtake them by at least the quarter of the season. We'll see. We shall see what's going to be happening in the world. Also, I want to shout out Jordan Walker, the guy from St. Louis. He's yeah. now tied the record for most hits, most games with a hit to start your uh, major league career. I believe he is at 12, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. I had the number here. Oh uh, yeah, a uh, 12 game hitting streak that ties him uh with uh, or Eddie Murphy uh for the longest hitting streak to begin a career by a player age 20 or younger since 1900. So there you go. All right, when we come back, we'll be going over more uh some basketball stuff and we also had some breaking news here that I'll get to later on in the show. I'm going to keep that as a tease for you guys right after this. Hey there folks, this is Mitch Spinell and I want to give you guys a quick message regarding 
988. If you don't know what 988 is, it was created to make it easier to remember how to get help in the event of a mental health or addiction crisis. This is different than a medical, fire, or police emergency where 911 should still be called immediately. 988 connects you with Stark County's Crisis Center, which is equipped to help people in emotional distress or experiencing a mental health or addiction crisis. So remember, 911 for medical, fire, and police emergency help, and 988 for support in overcoming a mental health crisis in Stark County. Are you trying to increase your speed, quickness, vertical leap, and agility? If so, NST Sports Performance is for you. NST trains athletes ages 5 through pro. NST designs each program specific to the athlete's needs, goals, and sports. For more, visit nstsports.com. Locations in North Canton and New Philadelphia. It's nstsports.com. It takes a lot of practice to have a winning team. Alban Title has over 100 years of combined experience handling real estate, title, and escrow transactions. They serve Tuscarawas, Stark, Carroll, Harrison Counties, and more. So choose Alban Title for your next home refinance, sale, or purchase. They'll get it done quickly and professionally. Contact Alban Title at 330-334-5800 or visit their website, albantitle.com. Let them put their experience to work for you. Hard work is something you're accustomed to. Van Nostrand Young understands that principle. Our access is achieved with organizations like Grange Insurance. Safety and prevention specialists utilize our VanCan assessments process to ensure that you and your colleagues are in the best hands. You want the safest environment for your business, and we can guide you there. Call Van Nostra and Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. If you're purchasing a new home, the team at Hartzler's Quality Housing is here to help. Take advantage of record low interest rates to make your new home a reality. Locally owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's Quality Housing has the experience to guide you through the process. You'll find a wide selection of model homes on site to fit any budget. Open six days a week just off I-77. You can also visit them online at Hartzlers.com. Hartzlers Quality Housing. Quality from start to finish. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet, Buick, Cadillac, Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. Think Ferris. Wendy's without the Wendy's app is like nugs without the sauce. <gasps> or a Frosty without the fries. <gasps> or a hamburger without the fresh beef. No! Level A. Get the app to order ahead, order delivery, earn free food, and get app-exclusive offers. One app, all the Wendy's. Offer for a limited time at participating Wendy's. Terms apply. App registration required. Fresh beef available in the contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. Get out of the dugout and onto the field with help from Velocity Sports. Velocity Sports is a baseball and softball training academy with locations in North Canton and Canal Fulton. Our new Canal Fulton features 10,000 square feet of training space with six 
cages for hitting and pitching in a large commercial weight room. Velocity Sports will sharpen your skills and get you in the starting lineup. For more info, go to velosportsohio.com. All right, back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Mitch, we just got this uh, news that came across uh, our Twitter timelines here in the last couple of minutes. The Cleveland Browns have announced that the team and First Energy have mutually agreed to end the stadium naming rights agreement so the Browns' uh, home park will return to its former name that we had known from 1999 all the way to, what was it, 2014 or something around there, Cleveland Browns Stadium. So, I mean... To me, it's not that big a deal. It's 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 the it's the name. I know that we we uh, Cleveland fans sometimes like to make big of the names of our arenas. You know, Jacobs Field, Progressive Field, the Q, Rocket Mortgage, Gund Arena. It's the same stadium to me. But there's a lot of people on my timeline right now that are like, "This is a massive Browns W. We're back." You know, what's your take on it? Uh, it's not going to be for long. Let me put it that way. It's not going to be Cleveland Brown Stadium for long because uh, via an article I have pulled up here that I was doing while you were reading that from cranescleveland.com, the Browns will revert to Cleveland Brown Stadium, the name it had from 99 to 2012. The team will, though, look to sign a new naming rights deal, although it is not expected to be in time for this season. So right. it could be Cleveland Brown Stadium for this season, maybe a couple years, but it's going to be another stadium obviously because jimmy haslam and the browns obviously will take all that money because originally first energy had paid 107 million in 2013 for a 17 years naming rights that was going to run through the end of the 2029 season obviously there were some issues recently with first energy in the news over the past year or so that ultimately came to this and why the browns are going to discontinue their partnership with first energy I go, I, I think about it this way. What did you know it as when you became a fan? For you and I, it was Cleveland Brown Stadium. Yeah. For the Indians, now Guardians, it was Jacobs Field. And for where the Cavs played, it was Gund Arena, but Quicken Loans Arena then, while we were still young, came into mm-hmm. new naming rights. Now it's Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. Look, people don't like name changes. People don't like change in general. It happens. But this isn't something that should affect anybody. I like Cleveland Brown Stadium, though. Because it just is so, I don't want to say basic in a bad way, but it is basic. It lets you know where you're going. It lets you know who plays there. And I, it's back to what we want. And I'm excited, though, to see who could potentially come in as the new naming rights sponsor of the stadium. I personally always wondered, could Progressive, that is based here in Ohio, afford to be the naming rights of the baseball team mm. and the field and also the football team. I mean, we already know when Baker Mayfield was here, it was at home with Baker Mayfield True. sponsored by progressive. But at the same time, Mitch, I would like to get kind of crazy here and see somebody come in here with a really cool name for the stadium. I know the rock and roll hall of fame cannot probably afford to pay the Browns, but how cool would it be to take on the Cleveland Browns at the rock and roll stadium? That would be interesting. My, I was going to be my question as to what company should now take the naming rights. I'm trying to think of a big enough uh, company with enough financial uh, terms that could be willing to put a stake in an investment like this. I, like you can't make it 
you can't make it like you want to make it a local thing, but you can't make it too local and too small that right. it w- they wouldn't be able to make it out. Like you're not going to see Rally House Stadium in a couple years. You're not going to see uh, what's another Cleveland esque big time sports stadium. Big t- oh wait 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 a minute now you're making me think of something here. You're thinking of making me, you're thinking of, me, uh, of uh, us branching out into a new market northern of the state i mean we've done some business up there but northern of the state we really make our claim there that could be really interesting i I gotta call charlie jones right now yeah charlie needs to get on that yeah he's too busy i'm gonna call him later all right so yeah that we're gonna we're gonna workshop that later on uh in the show or later on after the show but now we're gonna talk about what's been going on uh in the nba because we are nearing the start of the true quote-unquote NBA playoffs, the Cavaliers back in there for the first time in the post-LeBron James era. Before that, though, we had a bunch of play-in games over the last two days, Mitch. Some of them were very surprising. We kind of mentioned some of them on the air a few a few days ago, and I, I unfortunately took some of the, the wrong choices, so to say. I decided to go with uh, a couple of teams that ended up losing. Obviously, the big one being Miami and uh, their matchup on the first day of these games. And I was shocked that they were, were not able to be Atlanta at home. That it's such a, it was a fascinating game to me. And also the Lakers kind of as expected, knocking out the Timberwolves, that Timberwolves team was just checked out after what happened at the end of the regular season. Yeah. And listen, I'll get back to Miami and Atlanta, but the people out there say neither of these teams should be in the playoffs. Give me a break. All right. Minnesota We'll see. They have a chance to rebound and still make the playoffs. But Minnesota's only reason they were in that game was because of how hot they got from deep. It's not like they were in that game because they're evenly matched. Teams just get hot from deep, and that's exactly what happened. Mike Conley had a phenomenal game for the Minnesota Timberwolves. They ran into a guy named LeBron James who did LeBron James things in the playoffs, and yeah. And we're going to touch on who they play next because we have to talk about that. But the Miami one, Mitch, to me, is the most shocking. They were a team, I believe, that had won nine straight over the Atlanta Hawks. And I think for you and I both, and a majority of people out there that watch the NBA, we thought, you know, Miami might just be sleepwalking. Miami might know that they're good enough to beat any team they want to beat in the East because it's a team that was in the NBA Finals and had been in the Eastern Conference Finals and was just a shot away from going to the Finals again last year. You know, they're sleepwalking. This is in Miami. And the Atlanta Hawks came in, And they held off a late run by Miami and the Atlanta Hawks are back in the playoffs. Like they've done the past couple of years. Now they're going to play a tough Boston Celtics team, but Mitch, you have to give all the credit in the world right now to Quinn Snyder and the Atlanta Hawks, because the Hawks, I, I surely did not think they were going to be able to go into Miami and win. I thought they would probably lose and then beat the winner of Toronto and uh, Chicago. But now Miami's in the last playing game. If they lose, what happens? I mean, there's so many question marks that happens that could happen now, but we'll have to wait and see. But Atlanta looks good. And I would still pick Boston, but at the same time, yeah. Would you be shocked if they beat Boston? No, and I wouldn't I wouldn't have been shocked if Miami gave Boston a bit of a run in the first round, but now they would have to go into the the eighth seed game on Friday uh for a matchup with the Chicago Bulls, who okay. Uh, like somebody needs to fire Nick nurse at this point. I'm sorry. Like this, at this, at this rate, how do you give up? What was what an 18 point lead in the third quarter and just let them 
roll back and let 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 a Chicago team that was forty and forty two now have a chance to make it as an eight seed. That that's insane. I'll tell you how. I'll tell you how. Going eighteen to thirty six from the free throw line is yeah. how you let Chicago get back in there, and then also just not guarding Zach Levine. Uh, for what seemed like the entire third quarter as he just went off and single-handedly brought the Bulls back into that game last night, Mitch. 18-36 at home from the free throw line. Pascal Siakam had a chance to tie that game and potentially yes. send it to overtime and misses two of three from the line after, well, honestly, ball don't lie because he was not in the shooting motion when they called that foul. No, no. Nice home cooking call there. Um, but listen, Chicago for they could have done whatever they wanted. They could have said, you know what? We're down in this game. We are 40 and 42 or we're done. We're done. But Zach Levine came out. Levine scores 39 points. I believe he had over 20 in the second half. DeMar DeRozan got hot late uh, and a special shout out to really what could be the MVP of that game. DeMar DeRozan's daughter who are literally here screaming in Toronto every time they shot free throws. And there's people saying, how do they let her do that? Mitch, how, like, what is what is Toronto supposed to do? Are they supposed to come down and take her away and make her leave the stadium? Like, it's I don't. Crowd, yeah, it's crowd that. noise. Crowd noise. There's crowd. That's the whole point of having home court advantage. That's the whole point of having a game seven in Cleveland versus game seven in New York. You want your crowd to be loud, obnoxious, and get in the heads of the Knicks players. And somebody said, "Well, that won't happen in Miami." Pat Riley will make sure of it. I, you can't do that. I if mean. She, if your players miss free throws because a girl is screaming, you have bigger problems. There's one team. There's one player on that court last night that I know would have had uh, Dr. removed from that arena. I know, and he, and he, and the reason he didn't is because he played on the exact same team that she was rooting for. And yes. That's Patrick, and that's Patrick Beverly. That's yes. the only person that would have been willing to do that. He would have picked her up himself and taken her to the locker room. But no, that would have been right. it'd have been hilarious. But obviously, he's not going to do that to his own team. Um, but yeah, we had that game. On the later game was the New Orleans matchup against uh, uh, Oklahoma City, and I give credit to this Oklahoma City squad, man, a team that looked to be just in the rebuild, uh, going through the motions again. They beat this New Orleans squad, San Zion Williamson, and uh, yeah, they're going to be playing for an eight seed now, which is fascinating to me because the Pelicans got off to a great start this year, and once yeah. Zion got went down, they went down. It, it it's going to be a very interesting off season for the Pelicans, Mitch. And I'm never, I'm not in Zion's shoes. And they talked about it in the broadcast last night that he is not hurt, but he's also just not fit to play yet. And this yeah. is a guy's career. He knows what's best for him. And he's a gamer from what we got to see in college. I don't think he's sitting out for business decisions. I just think that you might not be hurt, but you just might not be back to the level that you are accustomed to playing at. And he even said in an interview they showed, I don't think I could be on the on the floor right now and help the team. The last thing you want to do is be out there because of your name, but not be able to provide any sort of impact. And it's not like he's a great perimeter shooter where you can put him in the corner and he'll still draw a defender. So it's just going to be a very interesting offseason because David Griffin took who any general manager would have taken number one overall in that draft. You can't predict injuries. You can't predict like Greg Oden was going to go down when Portland took him. Okay. You can't predict a lot of these things that happen. And there's all there's been rumors all and rumblings all season long that David Griffin could be out if they if they flop and sure enough they flop. But Oklahoma City, Mitch, to your point, a team that lost their first overall draft pick from this past draft in Chet Holmgren in the offseason. Nobody expected them to even be remotely close to the play-in. And now here they are going to play for the number eight seed in the playoffs. 
and Shea Gilgis Alexander. Mitch, I don't think there's an argument anymore. I think Gilgis Alexander and Donovan Mitchell are the two guards for first team all NBA this year. And if neither are not first team all NBA this year, it is wrong. Because if I see Luka Doncic on that list, a team that missed the playoffs, missed the playing completely, or Steph Curry, who didn't even play almost half the season, it, it's, it is a travesty if Mitchell and Gilgis Alexander are not on first team all NBA because Gilgis Alexander had a quiet first half. I went to bed at halftime, 32 points he finishes with. Josh Giddy, another young player in Oklahoma City, 31 points, 10 assists, was one rebound away from a triple-double, and Lou Dort, Mitch. A lot of people remember Lou Dort from the bubble because he was tasked of guarding James Harden in the bubble, and he did a nice job. Mitch, he had four threes. He had 27 points. The Thunder got contributions from everybody last night in their starting lineup. The bench, yeah, 14 points, but when you have guys that are scoring 32, 31, and 27, you don't really need your bench. And the Thunder, with a very impressive win, and now... They take on the Timberwolves to see who gets to play the Denver Nuggets. Yes, they do. I, I have this article pulled up from ESPN.com. It's an insider article from Zach Lowe, ESPN senior basketball writer. Uh, he filled out his all-NBA ballot, and it was very tough. So he has five players on his first team, as he normally is. He has Joel Embiid at center, Giannis at forward, Jason Tatum at forward, Shea Gilgis-Alexander at guard, Donovan Mitchell at guard. So there you yeah. go. Now, he has Luka in second team. Now, this is yeah. what he, he wrote after he uh, listed his picks. He said, uh, the first team is easy-ish. Doncic had the second first team guard spot until the Mavericks just in- integrated into an unforgettable embarrassment. And you can find this article on ESPN.com's insider uh, section. Doncic is better than Mitchell. Doncic had a better offensive season, though Mitchell matched Doncic's shooting efficiency, parentheses, Mitchell also stole two games by committing lane violations on his own intentional missed free throws. He deserves some separate honor for that. Uh, no parentheses. Mitchell can never match Doncic's playmaking. Mitchell was much more diligent than Doncic on defense and first team all NBA, just about the highest individual honor that exists. Doesn't seem the right place for any member of a team who will be best remembered for falling from the conference finals to outside the play in tournament. Right. So there he, it's like he read your own mind. It, it's exactly how it should be. We need to like, listen, I'm not sitting here saying Luka Doncic is not a good player. He is one of the top players in the NBA. There is no disagreeing that, but at the same time, it is a team game and you cannot reward a player based off his name just because of what he's done. The Western conference finals to out of the plane is perhaps the biggest breakdown out of any team in the NBA this year. And so he should be second team or third team, whatever it is. Same with Steph Curry, probably because Curry still had a great year when he played, but we'll have to wait and see. Cause that's only one voter there, Mitch. And that's what's, that's, what's tough. And there's already the leak votes out there about who's getting defensive player of the year. It looked like our own Evan Mobley was ahead in that right now. And some people thought, you know, Jaron Jackson should win it, whatever. We'll wait and see because obviously a lot more votes have to be tallied here before the awards are announced, but I'm glad Zach Lowe has the same thought process as me. Who do you think, the listeners at home, who do you think should be on the All-NBA team this year? Should Mitchell be a part of it? We think so. We're mainly asking for the first team is what we're saying. Who should be the five considered top position players in? And it it has to be two guards and three forwards or two forwards in the center. Yeah, that's that's the way it is. Two forwards, center, and two guards. Although, isn't it changing next year? Aren't they going to make it to where it's like any position can be a part of it? It may may be. I, 
We'll have to I'll, I'll, I'll research that for the next time we have a big time sports podcast show because we're ending this one now. But before we do, Mitchell Ballow, what is our fact of the day? Fact of the day is your Cleveland Cavaliers are back in the playoffs and they're going to beat the New York Knicks in the series. Yeah. I mean, really quick before we go, what's going to be the biggest key tonight? Because I, I we played them four times this year, but I'm still wondering if, you know, how the Cavaliers can respond, even with, with Randall not being on the court for at least the first couple of games. Can Brunson still have these breakout performances to, to down them enough? Donovan Mitchell is the best player on the court. I think Jalen Brunson's the second best, and I think the Cavs have the next best player in Evan Mobley. However, that won't matter. I think the factor in this game is going or series is going to be rebounding. The Cavs, as good as they are defensively, the best team in the NBA, Mitch, are about 20th in the NBA in rebounding. Now you say how? They have two seven-footers. Well, you have two very undersized guards and a very undersized three, whether it's a Coral or Lavert. If the Cavs can keep the rebounding margin close. I'm not saying they have to out-rebound the Knicks. The, re- the Knicks cannot rebound us by a few. The Cavs will be fine. But if the Knicks start to out-rebound the Cavs by 10, 15 rebounds a game, that is when this Cleveland Cavalier team is going to run into trouble. But we have home court. I really like the Cavs in this series. I think Cavs win in six. I think they steal one in the garden. And Donovan Mitchell puts an exclamation point and blows some kisses to the Knicks fans because the Knicks could not get a trade and we got him. And that is why we're going to win the series. We shall see what happens here. Thank you guys so much for listening or watching the Big Time Sports Podcast Show.